These guys are afraid that I've forgotten how to preach. My wife is afraid that I've got five weeks of preaching all in one sermon today. And that's probably closer to the truth. Can we pray? Lord, we just acknowledge that we need you. We always need you, but we need you because you're the one who brings revelation. Lord, would you lead us? Would you speak to us? Even as you already have, but would you continue? In Jesus' name, amen. Most of you are aware that all learning is progressive. You don't just learn algebra all at once. It doesn't come as a revelation. <laughs> it usually starts with numbers and addition and subtraction, and eventually you get to more deep things. Uh, that's the, the case with almost everything, and that's why foundations are so important. If we're building on the wrong understanding, what we're building will always end up being weak. We've been talking about growing in faith. And I had planned for a number of weeks to continue that through the book of Acts, which we're going to do next week. We have a malfunction. A malfunction. But we have a podium. That's wonderful. Yeah. I need something so I can tighten just to make, it, make me feel comfortable. Uh, we're going to continue with that. But before we do, I felt like God made me aware of something this last week that is an issue that's absolutely foundational in everything that has to do with the kingdom of God. And so while I'd like to get on to Acts, because that's what I've been preparing for weeks, we're going to have to wait. I'm afraid that what I have to share this morning might be challenging for some of you. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and depart from evil. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. The first point is that we obviously have to trust in the Lord and not ourselves. But also not others. Not circumstances. Not the things that we see. We trust in the Lord, but then we trust in the Lord with all our hearts. Not just part. And this is why I felt challenged mostly by God, is how often do we have a little bit of God and a little bit of our own understanding and reasoning? We think we know better. And it goes on to say, not only trust in the Lord with all your heart, but don't trust in your own understanding or reasoning. Take a moment and think about that. Trust is a huge thing. In the Bible, I want to jump over to uh, Psalm, and we're going to just touch a couple verses before we get into another portion. But Psalm 31.1 says, In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. 
Verse 19, oh, how great is your goodness, which you've laid up for those who trust you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you. You've laid up for those who fear you, and you've prepared for those who trust in you. Psalm 33 and verse 20 and 21 says, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him because we've trusted in his holy name. There's something of waiting, hoping, and trusting that go together. When it says wait on the Lord, those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. It's not just a passive waiting, there's something of trusting and hoping in God. Psalm 34. And verse eight, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. I love that. A concept of God is not just an idea that we believe in. He's a person that we have relationship with. We actually get to experience him. One more, Psalm 37, verse three, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. There's actually dozens of scriptures on trusting God. You can find them all. There's, there's tons of them. Uh, it's actually something that's foundational to our relationship with God. In fact... Trust is foundational to every relationship. You can only be as open with someone as you trust them. Those of us who have been hurt or disappointed often find it difficult to share ourselves with others because we put up a wall because we're not sure we can trust them. I'm sure some of you here this morning have been in that place. Turn with me to Genesis 22. I want to give you a couple of illustrations of God dealing with this subject. From verse 1, it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am. He said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. First time you read this, you think, there's something wrong with this. This is just weird. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him, Isaac his son. He split the wood and the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. He took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. And Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. He said, here am I, my son. He said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. They came to the place which God had told them, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order, bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son, and the angel of the Lord called to him 
uh, said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God or trust God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering to God. Whenever you read the Bible, you can't isolate just portions. You've got to read it in a bigger context. But even as we share the word, as we preach, the context of our worship this morning is as of a loving father. That sure doesn't sound like a loving father. He says, take your son and kill him. Yet the context, the bigger context, is that God is a loving father. So he's testing Abraham. What's he testing? If you jump back over to uh, Genesis 15. Verse five and six, you see God's promise to Abraham. And he brought him outside and said, look up toward the heavens, count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. God's promising that he's gonna have descendants. And he believed in the Lord and it was counted to him for righteousness. Abram, his name hadn't been changed here, believed God. That word believe comes from the Hebrew word aman, the word that we get amen. It means believe, but it literally means consider trustworthy. He considered God trustworthy. To be firmly persuaded of something. It's also the word from which comes emuna, which is faith. We can believe God because he's trustworthy. Just as an aside, Abraham or Abram was 76 years old when God gave him this promise. And his wife Sarai, her name hadn't been changed yet, was 66 years old. But something happened 10 years later. They still didn't have a son. So Abram decided maybe he should try and help God out. That's exactly what happened. His wife said, why don't you take Sarai, I mean take Haggai, Hagar, sorry. I'm getting getting ahead of myself. uh, Who was her servant. And you all know the story. He ended up having Ishmael. So when that happened, Abram was 86 years old and Sarai was 76. 13 years go by. And in chapter 17, God reconfirms his covenant, his promise that Abraham who's changed his name now, would be the father of many. And in verse 21, he says, but my covenant I will establish with Isaac. God basically said, I didn't actually need your help. So he said, a year from now, 
you're going to have another son. Abram was 99 years old. Abraham and Sarah was 89. A year later, you know the story, Isaac's born. Abraham's 100. Sarah's 90. 24 years after the original promise. How many of you feel like you've been believing God, something God said for a long time? And so when we get to chapter 22, we're probably 12 to 14 years after this when God tests Abraham. How do, how do we know that? It doesn't actually say, but it says that he actually made his son carry the wood. He put it on him. He wasn't an infant. He wasn't crawling. Yeah, so he was getting, so here's the story. Abraham's probably well past 110 by this point. And God says, take your son, through whom I've said, I will cause you to to be the father of all nations, that the covenant will come through him, take him and sacrifice him. And God's doing this as a loving father to test Abraham. Not because he's angry, not because he's establishing some kind of weird uh, ritual of killing. uh, We have our uh, son and daughter-in-law with us uh, from Melbourne and uh, our two grandchildren. And they were hoping to come this morning, but our daughter-in-law was unwell in the night. But when Mary told our son the uh, address, Nine Kilifatty Road, <laughs> he said, have you guys gotten some kind of a cult thing? <laughs> you don't want to come here. <laughs> so what is God testing? A.W. Tozer said God could have started on the edges and move slowly to the core issue. But he didn't, he went right to the heart. As if he's saying to Abraham, Abraham, do you trust me? Do you think you know better? Are you still wanting to rely on your own understanding? Or do you trust me? I want to say God's asking us the same thing today. Do you trust him? Do we really trust God? Or do we trust our own understanding? From verse 14 of chapter 22, and Abraham, he didn't kill Isaac, But it says, and Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. Or the Lord is my source. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven. He said, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven 
as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemy. In your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. He didn't trust his own understanding. In fact, as Johan said to us a few weeks ago, over in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out. But in verse 19, of actually, we'll start at 17. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, and Isaac, your seed will be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from which he had received him in a figurative sense. He didn't say, I can have a different son. He didn't say, I have a better idea. He said, I will obey God, and I'll trust that God can even raise my son from the dead. One of the things we see, Johan mentioned it a couple weeks ago, but let me say it again. Trust equals obedience. Faith equals obedience. It's not just a passive belief, but it's something that we're willing to act on. Most of us would say we trust God. Here's where we get uh, a little bit meddling and stepping on toes. But let me ask you, do we really trust him with all our hearts and don't lean on our own understanding? Let's see. Turn with me over to uh, Malachi, chapter 2. Last book in the uh, Old Testament, verse 8. And God talking to the people says this, You've departed from the way, and you've caused many to stumble at the law. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi. He's basically saying, you've departed from God's ways. Then in chapter 3, from verse uh, 6, he says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. We heard that earlier. Therefore you are not consumed, yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances or my pattern. You've gone away from my ways and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord. But you said, In what way shall we return? Then he says this, Will a man rob God? that you've robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings, you're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me in this, says the Lord, and will I not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse is where you're fed, where you live, where you're connected. A friend of mine once said, you don't eat at McDonald's and pay at KFC. But 
But we say, ah, but I want to support children in another country. Great. Do it. Just do it as an offering above your tithe. That's God's pattern. Relax, this sermon isn't about giving this morning. In fact, money is the least. Unlike God with Abraham, I'm starting on the outside, on the outer edges and working in. But if we're not faithful with the least, oh, well, I can give a little bit. Wonderful. I have a better idea. I'm going to rely on my own understanding. How about another one? Hebrews chapter 10. We were just in Hebrews 11, but just before that, let's go to chapter 10. Verse 24. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. He's actually saying, hey, it's not just about you. Then he says this, and let... Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. He's saying, as we get closer to the end, the need for us to get together with other believers increases, it doesn't decrease. Yet it's easy for us to say, but I have so much to do. I'm so tired after a week of work. I need time alone. I give out all week. I don't really need to gather with other believers. I can just go out into the wilderness and I get recharged from God. It's not about you. It's about you considering one another, but it's also about you standing firm in the last days. Oh yes, we've really gotten to meddling now, haven't we? Turn to Acts chapter one. This, that was all the introduction just to get to this point. <laughs> Some of you think I'm kidding. I'm going to touch this and then we'll come back next week. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which you've heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. In verse 8 and 9, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus gave them a command to go in all the world to make disciples of all nations. Then he said, don't do it until you receive the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. I heard a pastor in America said he wanted to be a charismatic with a seat belt. I want to be a little bit full of the Holy Spirit. 
but I don't want to do anything that I consider weird. Let me say this, if we don't really trust God with our whole hearts, it will be nearly impossible to surrender to the Holy Spirit. Because we're always going to think we have a better idea. I trust my own understanding. For many, the Trinity is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Scriptures. Rather than the Holy Spirit. But Jesus didn't say, wait until you receive the canon of Scripture. He said, wait until you receive the promise of the Father, which is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. In fact, tongues, which is the language of the Spirit, bypasses our understanding. That's what the Bible says. It doesn't bypass our will, but it bypasses our understanding. And that's why so many people struggle. Because if we're not trusting God with all our hearts, but we're leaning on our own understanding, when it comes to actually partnering with the Holy Spirit and giving him a voice, we're going to say, but I don't understand what I'm praying, so I'm not going to do it. I'll be a charismatic with a seatbelt. Unfortunately, we're not going to have time for that this week. We're going to come back to that next week as we go through the book of Acts. But the very, very first application of trusting God with all our hearts and not leaning in our own understanding is salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 Most of you would know this, but let me read it to you again. Says this, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. God's plan was that he took upon himself. He sent his son who died on our behalf, who took our sin upon himself so that we could be restored to relationship because he's a loving father who wanted us in relationship. He did it all. We can't earn it. We can't change ourselves. We can't make ourselves better. There's nothing we need to do except respond to him. That's grace. Let me say this. Most of us accept that for ourselves. I'm a recipient of God's grace. I couldn't make myself better. But the problem is many then don't accept that for others. You now have to change this. You have to do this. Or you can't do this. And we start adding things to the grace of God after the fact, not to ourselves, but to others. That's called religion. 
It's an abomination. Yet if we don't trust God with all our hearts, that slowly creeps in. And pretty soon we're looking at people's behavior. 1 Samuel 15 says that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Most of us want God to look at the heart for us, but then we want to look at the outward appearance for others. What did they do? What did they say? Do we really trust God with all our hearts and don't lean on our own understanding? Or do we kind of think, even indirectly, that we have a better idea? I'll trust God a little bit, but I want to make sure I have a seatbelt on. See, the problem is partnering with the Holy Spirit, which we're going to see. Growing in faith and partnering with the Holy Spirit means that there is a point where we have to obey. God says, will you pray for this person? Yeah, but I'm not comfortable with that, God. That's, that's beyond my comfort zone. My understanding's not comfortable with that. Or you're in a gathering of believers and God puts something in your heart as a prophetic word for the, the rest of the body. And you say, oh, no, no, I'm not comfortable with that. I don't like being in front of, I don't like speaking in front of people. I'm not going to get up in front of people and share something. I want to be full of the Holy Spirit, but I want a seatbelt. I want to be full of the Holy Spirit, but I want to determine when and how God uses me. Let me bow your head for a moment before I get crazy and none of you ever come back. I can rant and rave, but the Holy Spirit's saying, do you trust me? Or do you think you have a better idea? Do you trust me? With all your heart, or are you leaning on your understanding? There's some issues some of you are facing in the future and you don't see the end from the beginning. You don't see the answer. And you're saying, God, show me the answer, show me the answer, show me the answer. And God's saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Some of you have some ideas of things that you'd love to do but you haven't even asked God. You're not submitted to him. You're just saying, oh God, get behind my idea. I'm not angry. God's not angry. 
He's a loving father, and he's just saying, I want to make sure where your heart is. Because as he said, there is something of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that is going to see hundreds and thousands of people come to Jesus. Going to see miracles and healings, and God's looking for a people who will not only trust him, but will give him all the glory. And won't say, but it was my idea. It was my faith. It was my something. That was him all the way. If the Holy Spirit's speaking to you this morning, will you just respond? Sometimes we think that you have to come to the front Somebody has to pray for you. But let me tell you, you need to learn to just respond to the, the word of the Holy Spirit. Respond to the word of God and the Spirit right at the time you hear it. You don't have to wait until someone else agrees with you. There is times when we need people to, to pray with us. There is times when uh, if two or three will agree on anything, it shall be done. But there's also times when God, in intimacy, touches our hearts. And as a loving father, not to expose us, not because he's angry, but he puts his finger and says, on this, you don't trust me. He can start at the edges and work in, but eventually he gets to the issue. Will you trust me with this? If that's the case for you this morning, will you just settle it? Lord, I trust you. I believe, help my unbelief. Where I don't trust, would you identify it as a loving father? Because I don't want to trust my own understanding, especially as the day approaches. Especially as darkness gets louder and the the uh, cultures of the world are given over by God to evil. The kingdom stands in sh- sharp contrast. And the rationalizing, the understanding, the, the reasoning of the world doesn't lead us to the things of God. Holy Spirit, thank you. Jesus, you said Wait. Till we receive the promise of the Father, and then we will have power to be witnesses. That's still the promise of the Father, that we'll receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and have power to be witnesses. And where we don't, we have to admit, we haven't received the power of the Holy Spirit. We say we trust you. We love you. We trust you with all our hearts. And we choose not to lean on our understanding. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? Come back next week, please. (laughs) Because we're getting into Acts, which I'm really excited about. 
But give the Holy Spirit a chance to help identify areas that we might have fallen into. Abraham, Abraham believed God. He considered him trustworthy, but time went by and he no longer trusted God. He thought he'd trust himself and his own ideas. Let's not let time and the values of the culture change us. Lord, pour your grace upon us as we delight in you, but also for this week. Lord, the, uh, the silence breakers, for those who are involved in that, would you empower them? And Lord, for all of us, we need you. We need your spirit. Impart your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.